Unscripted, unshackled, uncouth. What you're about to hear is for mature ears only. It's Miguel. Ricky. Yeah. Yeah. You're a dumbass. Have a wonderful day, okay? Bye-bye now. Holly. I finally got boobs and a butt back. And Scotty the body. Am I not as cool and good-looking as I think I am? The Miguel and Holly Uncensored Podcast. No, my tongue feels too big today. Only from Hot 101.5. Give me Kit Kat or give me death. Tampa Bay's new hit music. Another podcast after another, what I feel like, tumultuous weekend that we've had. But one that is, I feel like, helping bring the country to this new understanding. And... I'd love to one day talk to someone who's a little bit older who can tell us what it was like going through like the 60s and the 70s during the civil rights era. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like I wonder if this is what it felt like when you can feel the change happening. Ooh, maybe. Because, I mean... Everywhere I looked this weekend uh, on social media or in person, that's what everyone was talking about. But it wasn't a, ugh, I'm so overhearing about it or, ugh, it was, I want to know more. I'm trying to understand. Um, So it's been very fascinating sort of watching everything unfold over the past uh, couple of weeks. Mm, Yeah, I agree. And um, on the air today, today being June 8th, I kind of talked about my view a little bit because I posted on my Facebook over the weekend kind of where I stand on everything with Black Lives Matter. And I fully expected this huge eruption of crazy in the comments. Mm -hmm. And it didn't come. And I don't know why. I don't know if by this time I've posted enough stuff that the people that are against it, against me speaking about it, are just like, whatever. And they Mm -hmm. just ignore. Mm -hmm. Or if... Some people maybe have learned to shut up because they're part of the problem. Right. Or if it was not seen. Like, I I don't really know. It surprised me, though. Yeah. For sure. Um, But it's just, I I read a really interesting article today, actually, um, about the fragility of white people's. No. And this is the problem. And I I talked about this in the post, that it's not, um, you can't just blanket racist Mm. as a term Mm -hmm. because it doesn't really help you evolve out of that. Right. Because nobody wants, well, I'm sure there are certain people that don't mind being racist and they're just, that's how they are. And they're happy to carry that flag. Right. But I would say the majority of white people that know black people in their lives don't consider themselves racist. Right. But there's some type of bias there. Mm, Like you don't even, mm -hmm. and we can't as white people really fathom how we've been helped by that system because it's hard to see something when you're in it. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so this article had some really great tips for um, how white people can actively take part in the conversation. Mm-hmm. And I think the message that I took overall is that you're going to make mistakes. Yeah. And that's okay. Like, I've been doing this whole thing, like, trying to be so careful to say exactly the right thing and know exactly the right next step. I, I don't. Right. I don't. No one does. But the the point of the article is that instead of letting that um, imperfection quiet you mm. into, well, I'm going to say something wrong, so I might as not well say anything at all. Right. Might as well not say anything at all. Um, 
don't be afraid to be wrong sometimes mm. and then learn. Right. You know, nobody wants to be racist. Nobody wants to be biased. Well, again, nobody I know personally and am friends with, I would imagine, wants to be racist. But since it's like an underlying thing, it's like a condition that we all have, give yourself a little bit of grace as you're learning. Mm. At least you're learning. Right. I think that's the point I took away from the article. Yeah, it's just been so fascinating watching it unfold. And uh, real quick, because we have Dr. Upshaw yes. on from uh, Neurospot TMS. But uh, the show Outlander that I've been talking about, where uh, this woman from the 1940s uh, goes back in time by accident to 1700s in Scotland. Well, I just got to season four. Uh-huh. And spoiler alert, if you're watching it now, um, they... By some things that happen there in America, and it's seventeen, the seventeen six six or uh, seventeen like sixty eight sixty nine, and they arrive in the South, and they uh, there are slaves there, mm. and this woman Claire, the main character, she's from nineteen forty, and right. she's like, wait a minute, what's happening? We there what? And so, like this season that I'm watching came out, I think maybe 2018. So before all this happened. Right. And so it's really fascinating watching this go down as she's trying to explain to Southerners then who most of the people then had just come from England or come from these other European countries. And she's trying to explain to them, but in a coded way that this is wrong. Right. And it's so, I mean, like, it couldn't have paired more perfectly with what's happening right now. And I want to talk more about that after I get through the season. But it's I was like, well, this is like very kismet right now that yeah. I'm watching this as our country is going through this right now. True that. So it was super fascinating. Yeah. Uh, but we will get to that later. Yes. But we need to talk about something else that is very serious happening, uh, which is why on Mondays we like to bring in Dr. Upshaw from Neurospa TMS. How you doing? Hey, guys. Good morning. Doing good. Thank you. Morning. So we kind of wanted to chat with you about anxiety. Yes. Because you hear that term a lot. Like, I'm an anxious person. Or I have so much anxiety about, you know, this event in my life or this situation. Right. And it's kind of hard to to decipher on what is truly being or having anxiety or you're just, you know, overwhelmed or stressed or whatever. So can you help us sort of understand exactly how do you know if you're dealing with that? Yeah, so I think it's kind of like some of the discussions we've had about the depression, which is that absolutely feeling anxious is normal and can kind of, you know, help you Mm -hmm. in the sense that it kind of tunes you up a little bit. You're more aware of things. It also can be a signal that something's off and gets you to kind of assess what the situation is. But just like depression, if it's happening all the time, if it's overwhelming and you can't kind of get out of that anxious state, you know, that's when it's become, you know, a problem for you at, at that point. Mm. So what is, is there like any physical feelings that you get if you are truly feeling that? Yeah. So that the prototypical, if you look at the the DSM-5, which is kind of the, the manual for diagnosing mental illness that we have in psychiatry, the kind of prototypical anxiety diagnosis where they have symptoms is kind of the panic attack, right? Everyone's heard of an anxiety attack or a panic attack. And there's actually 13 symptoms of a panic attack. There's GI symptoms. You can feel nauseous. 
Um, there is neurological symptoms. You can get numbness, tingling in your extremities. You can get dizzy. You can get cardiovascular side, uh, uh, symptoms like difficulty breathing. Your heart is racing. You're sweating. Um, psychological symptoms, you can kind of worry that you're going crazy or that you may be something bad is happening to you. So they've actually, mm. you know, defined the symptoms of anxiety really, really well. Um, and actually, one of the first things we do when someone comes and sees us and has anxiety is we go over all of this stuff. And sometimes just understanding that this is a physical thing that's happening to you and understanding a little bit more of what's going on can be can be helpful. Mm, that is helpful. And so let me just ask this. Is there a way to know that your anxiety is something that should be looked into like for example and I, this again probably like the depression where it's like day after day you're dealing with it but can it be for anything or is it like does it have to be um like work related or like is there anything that signifies oh anxiety is only this yeah so some people have like what we call a general anxiety they just tend to worry about kind of anything that's on their mind kind of all day long. Mm -hmm. And of course, if that gets to the point where it's interfering with your life, that's kind of what we look at is if, if, if you're avoiding things that you want to do or kind of should be doing um, because of your anxiety or you're doing them with a great deal of difficulty, that's kind of how we define it is that, mm. you know, you're going to work, but you're suffering the whole time because you're so anxious. That's when you need to get help. And you can have a generalized anxiety or you can have a specific anxiety, right? You could be you know, have a fear of flying, for example. Um, I, I've had patients with all different kinds of weird little anxiety things that, that they have about something very specific. They're fine most of the time, but when this one thing comes up, they just cannot get over it. But it's something important that is, you know, hindering their life. Um, like if, you know, you can't travel for work or you're married and your spouse really loves to travel and go on vacations and you can't do that because you can't get on a plane. That's a very specific example. So it can be generalized kind of present all the time or it can come up in very specific situations but the big thing is if it's interfering with things that you want to be doing that's when you should go get some help because there's a lot of help available for these things oh that is okay that's good to know yeah so obviously we know that and and just as a reminder we're talking to dr nate upshaw who works with neurospot tms which is where i go um and for the transcranial magnetic stimulation for depression and anxiety and that's one option but because of everything going on, okay, first of all, we had the pandemic. Then yep. there's a bit of civil unrest happening in the country. Yes. In case we haven't noticed. And so these things can provoke anxiety that maybe you've never experienced before. And so do you have ideas, tips, um, suggestions on managing it at home? And then from there, when do you know you should actually go get treatment? Yeah. So the at home is the first thing that you want to try to manage. And what you want to look at is triggers for your anxiety. Um, and you may not even be aware of it until you start looking for it. Even maybe you want to take some notes, but if you notice that, you know, gosh, I'm really anxious around six o'clock every day, really start looking at what are you doing around that time and what could you be doing differently? Um, because a lot of times, you know, one of the treatments for anxiety that is really quite effective is something called cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT. Most people have kind of heard of this, but the way it works is you basically take notes 
of how you're thinking and feeling around the time that you're anxious. And you can start to notice things that are triggering your anxiety and you can notice things that you could be thinking about or doing differently. That's the behavioral part Mm. that can make the anxiety go away. So, I mean, anyone who goes to the CBT therapy, it's very practical, um, but the therapist obviously is trained and can kind of help you. But this is stuff that you can do at home. And you basically want to look for the time and place that you're feeling anxious and then start looking at what were you thinking and what were you doing before that happened? And can you tie that to anything? And then looking at, you know, what could you do differently that could maybe make the anxiety go away. So for example, if you notice that you get anxious every day when you get home, and then you notice that when you got home, you just sat down and turned on the news. Mm. And maybe six months ago, that wasn't a huge trigger for anxiety. But nowadays, the news is pretty intense. Yeah, you might notice that you didn't do that. And you might say, Hey, instead of doing that, I'm going to go for a walk when I get home. And then you notice how well that works. And it seems so simple, but it can really have a pretty dramatic effect on how you're feeling when you kind of tune into this. And I think we've talked about this before. That's what's really going on right now is everyone's, you know, routines have changed so much. They not may not even be aware that they've fallen into a, a bad pattern um, that they've never been in before in terms of how they're thinking and, and feeling and doing things at home. Well, and I, I feel like if anybody's had their schedule turned upside down, I mean, even us, you know, we're working more, we're on till noon, then we do this podcast extra. So that's a lot more stuff that we're doing and having to take a look at what's different in your schedule, I think would be helpful for every single person. Even if you're listening, you're like, wow, my my boo thing, this sounds just like them. But you may be worried or anxious in a whole different way and you didn't even realize it. That was that was totally me. I will always like take in information and then match it with people I know. Right. So I'll be like, oh, my gosh, that sounds just like Miguel. I'm going to tell him Mm -hmm. how to manage anxiety or like I'll hear something else and I'll be like, oh, my God, Scott does that exact thing. Never once do I like put myself (laughs) into those shoes. And for me, it's more of a take care of others before yourself type of thing, which I've learned to stop doing that but it is helpful to you to know if you're going to put your booth in or like your coworker or whatever run yourself through that same test because you might not even realize that you're feeling it it might just be this weird like Dr. Upshaw said maybe suddenly you have like gastrointestinal issues and like you get like weird breathing patterns but you don't associate it with anxiety right so now maybe that's a step in the right direction Yes. And then to your point of when to seek help, if you can't figure it out, that's when you look to get some help. And we've talked about that website, the psychologytoday.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, obviously you can get in touch with our clinics too, which is, <clears throat> excuse me, neurospottms.com. And um, we can uh, see if TMS makes sense for you. But if you just want to check out the psychologytoday.com and find, try to see if you can find a CBT therapist, that's usually the best place to start. Um, for just straight anxiety that might have cropped up in the last three to six months. And you can't quite figure it out yourself. A lot of times, you know, just a few sessions of CBT can really help you kind of figure things out. Is there anything that you're recommending right now when it comes to social media with everything that's going on? Because when I think about 10 years ago when we were doing morning radio and I would have, you know, a couple of times a day that I would sit down and take a look at what was going on in the world to make sure that we were ready for our morning show. 
But now it's like I'm never unplugged from it. I'm never not away from what's going on in the world. Are you suggesting anything to like stepping away from everything that we're ingesting uh, with any of your patients? That's such a that's a, such a good point. We're we're not doing that probably as much as we should as professionals, just because we usually get you know our treatment recommendations and things like that from studies, mm. and you know the the ubiquity of 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 the social media has has really turned a corner in the last you know year or so. Yeah, and I don't think that we've probably even realized how how bad the situation is. And we don't have a lot of great studies showing, okay, hey, this is what we recommend that you limit it to this many hours, and then that gives this much benefit. So, you know, as doctors, we always want to say, hey, we want you to do this because we know it works, or, or this is what we recommend. Mm-hmm. But in general, yes, that's something I talk about with all my patients, you know, like w- when we've talked before about limiting your access, not just to social media, but also, also news and also talking to loved ones about these topics that can be stressful. Mm. Um, I didn't you know, think about that. It, it, yeah. It, it, if you have, a, there are certain loved ones in my life that every time we start talking, it seems to kind of go in that direction. And sometimes I'll just say, Hey, let's, let's, let's change the subject. This is, <laughs> this is a little bit too much. Um, so yeah. So you, you gotta, you gotta really monitor yourself with that stuff, but you're right. That's, that's something that, you know, as a profession, we need to, to figure out a little bit more about what what's that what's that doing and what and really what can we recommend? Right. Know, it's not just enough to say, hey, you should unplug. We should have some really good guidelines. And I'm sure there are some early studies and publications out there. Um, but um, I haven't been as plugged into those as probably I should be. So I'm not a professional and my degree is in how to ask open ended questions. <laughs> but. I have just been noticing that in the days where I will uh, go do something out of my norm, so I just bought a bike, and then just getting on my bike and just going, even if it's just 30 minutes, and just riding and listening to music or a podcast or doing something, I feel like it's really helped me because I find when I just go home from work and then I just sit, and even if I'm like, well, I'm going to watch a TV show to sort of get my mind off of it, I'm still in that space that I'm always in, my house. But I find when I go out of the norm and do something, you know, obviously I have the opportunity. I don't have kids. I don't have other responsibilities outside of work. So I'm able to do that. But I feel like even if it's just like walking outside of your house or your apartment and then just walking in circles or something, but just doing something to get you out of the normal situation you're in may help with that, like very, uh, you know, not super um, diagnosed uh, Mm. anxiety or something like that. And maybe while you're doing that, leave your phone home. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, so what you're talking about there is is distraction, and especially if you're distracting yourself with healthy habits um, mm. or healthy activities. Mm-hmm. You know, that's yes, absolutely. That 100 percent is 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 the way to go, and is is super important. But it's really tough to do that because again, you're looking at you know habits that you're in, and if you're used to coming home and doing these things, there's there has been a lot of studies on this about you know how do people develop habits, and one of the the easiest thing is to develop a habit with something that's super easy to access. It kind of gives you a bump in your dopamine. It's like eating sugary foods and social media is exactly like that. Mm. You, you log on, it gives you a quick 
bump of dopamine. You see what's going on. It's really easy to fall into. And so we do know that. We do know that part, and especially they're looking at it with uh, with uh, kids and adolescents because their brains are still developing. Yes. You know, and what effect is that having? But you're you're absolutely right. Disconnecting and and doing something to distract yourself and kind of shift the way that your mind is thinking is is super helpful. Well, if y'all ever need another psychologist over there, um, <laughs> oh, Dr. Upshaw, you know, uh, okay. um, I'm at your service. No, I'm yeah, kidding. No, well, no. thank you so much for helping <laughs> guide us through yes. uh, these crazy times we're in and sort of helping us learn how to cope and then how to just really listen to our bodies. If you've never been to a therapist before or if you're curious, I think the biggest takeaway right now is to listen to your body and know what those physical triggers can be when it comes to uh, anxiety. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Upshaw, for uh, helping us guide us through this process. Mm -hmm. On our mental Monday. It was great talking with you guys. All right. Have a great week. All right. You too, guys. I've noticed a little bit of that myself when it comes to sometimes if I'm still stressed about something from work, I've started getting this like weird. I, I In my mind, I always try to think of like a physical manifestation of what I'm feeling. And I feel like it's just like a cluster of cells that are gathering at like the, the uh, top of my stomach oh. if I'm feeling stressed or nervous about something. And I've even started to just do like some breathing exercises just to like physically relax my body if I feel like I'm I'm working myself up into a tizzy. Right. You can always look to physical things. I have a friend who um, deals with some mental uh, mental health, mental illness things. And it's weird. It took about a year to figure this out. Mm -hmm. But we realized that, like, he'll gag if it's too much emotion. That's, like, a weird thing, and it's mm. not something that everybody has. But the stronger the emotion, the more um, severe, like, you, the gagging feeling. Like, almost like you're going to throw up. Mm. And I'm like, finally, we put it together. I'm like... You're stressed out. Mm. Like when you have emotional stress, mm -hmm. that's when that trigger happens. Right. And like I, I'm not saying that you, it's going to happen to you, but I'm saying it can be different in everybody. So Miguel's got some cells gathering at the top of his stomach. I, I start. I know that I start to get anxious when I do this thing with my fingernails mm -hmm. where I have to like touch every corner and the top twice. Mm. It's a weird thing, but it's like when I catch myself doing that, I'm like, okay, mm -mm. take a breath. What is wrong? So everybody's body has different indicators that stress is happening and it may manifest itself into anxiety. So if you catch your own, you're more able to work on it. Wow. Now, sort of uh, in the vein of talking about being stressed and uh, worrying about stuff, Scott, you were at the protest this weekend. Were you stressed out at all? I wasn't really. I, there was a couple times when we would be walking around a corner or something and it would like, the like honestly like the police would be there and that's where I would feel like oh damn like is something about to go down or like is it about to get all crazy because you know there's definitely been instances where you know I've had friends that have been like literally arrested or mm. shot at with rubber bullets or tear gas so I'm like oh dang are they about to come at us because I promised my girlfriend we wouldn't get tear gas but then we walked by and everything was fine. Like when I was going up there. By the way, you should make promises like that. I was going to your say, girlfriend. don't make promises that, that you can't <laughs> well, I told her, I was like, okay, we're just, we're, I want to go and check it out. And I didn't know what to expect. So I guess walking up there, I was a little like, a little anxious. I'm like, what is this going to be like? I've never really been at a protest. And I guess it's that side of like, I want to make sure that it's like, I 
am holding myself as high as I possibly can. You know, I'm not here to any joking matters. I'm not here for social media purposes. I'm here to spread a message. And so that was a little anxious in the beginning. But once we, you know, sat down, everything started, and then we started walking, everything was fine. And then mm. again, like the only time I'd get a little stressed out is like when I saw a bunch of cops like whip around the corner and like block off the highway. Then I was like, oh. okay, I was like, oh, no, 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 no. Mm. But then everything ended up being fine. Well, um, I wanted to get on the phone for the second half of the podcast. One of the organizers uh, from the protest you went to. And where was it, Scott? This started in Curtis Hickson Park in downtown Tampa. And that's where we kind of, I don't know how, he probably knows how far we actually walked. But, like, we went all over. We went to, like, UT, up by Armature Works. Like, Ooh. it was, yeah, it was a heck of a walk. Mm. Hello? Hello, TTE Truth? Hi. How you doing? Hey, this is Miguel, Holly, and Scott. Welcome to the podcast. And thank you so hey, much hey. for uh, taking the time out to talk to us. Thank you so much for calling me. How y'all doing? Wonderful. So we wanted to sort of talk about the protest and what you did and how it came together. So before we get to that part, are, is it your rapper here in Tampa? Yes, correct. Okay. So um, what led you well i guess i feel like it's an obvious question but for everyone it's personal mm. what made you want to get this protest together this weekend um i felt like um just me sitting back you know as an artist i have a platform so i feel like i needed to use my platform for something you know way deeper than my music and something that's for a good cause so i woke up one day and i was just like you know what let's just get to it let's make it happen let's to start a protest slash feed the homeless day in the same day so we could really bring change to the city. So that's how that really came about. And how did you go about taking the first steps to make it happen? Because if I woke up with that thought, my next single thought would be, well, what the hell do I do? Right. <laughs> so yeah. how did you go from I want to do this to actually making it happen? What was that first next step? Um, The first next step, I was just like, I'm going to need the support from the people, really, like, you know, local influencers, like people that's got a platform in the city, because once you get the support and the people on your side, then that's when you got, you know, everything else you need to continue to go forward. You, you're motivated because other people see your vision, they see your dream, and they want to be a part of it. Mm. Now, after we started to see the protest happening in the different cities, uh, the first week that we found out about uh, George Floyd passing away, yeah. what was it like for you watching all of the news coverage and the protests that were happening around the country and here in our city? It was kind of, I want to say it was kind of heartbreaking because it's like, that's like the news, they just they just want to portray everything as negative. It was just someone rioting, looting. It wasn't showing anybody peacefully protesting. So I felt like, that um, when I was setting this up for the peaceful protest, I was like, I want this to be no violence, no chaos. And it was the biggest the city has ever seen with no violence. There was no arrest made Saturday, no, nothing happened. And we was, it was storming. So mm. it was a real deal blessing for that to happen. What is the biggest message that you want people to take away uh, from the protest this past weekend? And what action do you want? come away from what you all were protesting for this Saturday? I wanted everybody to take away that 
we can all do things in large numbers without anything crazy happening. And we and Saturday, I told everybody, I actually told my team before Saturday, I said, look, our main goal for Saturday is to have no violence, no chaos, none of that, zero arrest made. And we actually made that come true. And I'm very proud of them. So, and then um, the other question was, what was the other question? Oh, yeah. What do you want to see happen? Uh, because I feel like, that's what I've been seeing a change in the messaging from a lot of people and myself is, you know, okay, this is great. We are talking about it. The conversations are happening. The people that are secret racist are being outed. But what do we want to actually happen? Is it defunding the police? Is it having programs like this, feeding the homeless and giving back to the community? What are you wanting to see happen right here in Tampa? Well, mainly, I just want to see a lot of change. I want to, I want, well, we all want equal justice and we definitely need accountability because I feel like a lot of people, a lot of people aren't like getting held accountable for their actions. So we definitely need equal justice and also accountability for that. I love that. Um, What was the most surprising thing to you after you went home and probably just said, holy crap, like, look at what we did yeah. <laughs> in our city. Like, oh, my God. Yeah, that's massive. What was sort of the most magical moment for you? The magical moment was just everybody showing love, all the support. You know, everybody was out there, you know, letting me know, thank you for putting this together. It was the best protest. Like, a lot of people was telling me they'd been in Tampa for, like, 15 years, and it was the best thing they ever seen and ever experienced. And that really, like, like, put chills in my body because it's like I'm only 18 and this is my first leading protest. It's like, and people have been in Tampa for like 15 years, 20 years, and it's the best thing they ever experienced. So I'm definitely motivated me to want to do more. Well, we look forward to hearing more from you, especially if you continue to stay in the area or at least if you if you do leave the area, come back and, and help it with getting some of that change to take place from the government, um, from the top down. So, I mean, obviously you do have a platform and you've been really vocal about what you want. And I think that's really how change happens is when you can put together something like you did, people take you seriously. And Mm -hmm. then you ask for the next step. So congratulations. And you're 18? For real. Wow. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. I just turned 18 in November. Oh Hmm. my gosh. You know, thank you. Thank you so much. I am, I'm your elder as a 34-year-old black man. Um, I I am, and I I kept thinking this this weekend, and I was talking with other people that are sort of my age, 34, 35, and I was just, I I just kept saying, like, I'm tired. I am tired. I am tired. And, like, I saw Scott, he was out at the protest, uh, one of my other roommates um, who's in his 20s, he was out there, and I was just, like, so happy to see them. But I was sitting on the couch watching this from social media and I felt so bad. But then I saw so many different memes of people saying everyone has a different role in the movement. And so someone like you, a TTE Truth, you're 18, you are ready to get out there and you're ready to do it. And I am so thankful that that is your role in this is bringing people together and to be on the street. And whatever we can do to help get the message out, please let us know. Okay. Yes, of course. Thank you so much. And how can people find out more information about you and about other movements or, or protests that you have coming up? So they can really follow my um, 
they could follow my main account, tte.truth on Instagram. And you could also follow the group page where we will be posting all the events at Loud for Justice on Instagram. And do you all have another one coming up yet? Or are you still, still organizing? Yeah, we actually, we actually have a meeting today. So Is, is that open yeah, to I'll, the public or y'all just meeting together and then going to announce something that's coming up? We're meeting together and then we're going to announce it. So it'll be announced tonight. Okay. Awesome. Wow. Well, thank you for all that you do. Whatever we can do to help get the word out, please let us know, okay? Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Have a great week. You too. Eight. I will tell you this. That's how change happens. It's often the young people who are the scrappiest when it comes to stuff like that. You know what I mean? Think about us. I mean, when we were younger, I was like, you know, fired up and ready to go fight for what I believed in. Like, Mm. have you ever been to a political rally? I know this is different. This is a different thing. But um, I went to a political rally when I was 21 and I was super pumped to be there. It was like on the Ohio State campus and like we were all gung ho about it. Like, like I wouldn't ever go to a political rally. Now I don't have the energy. I don't have the time. I don't have the you know, it's it's different. Your role does change right. as you grow and it doesn't mean that the message has to change. Wisdom obviously helps you figure out how to maybe um narrow your focus a little bit. Right. Um and you could hear that with him too in in, you know, it's just different when you kind of when you're a little bit older, but that doesn't mean that you can't still be involved. So it's like a young person's game often, not always, right. to really get out, pound the pavement. And then the older you get, you can definitely help in other ways, especially if you have any money to donate yeah. to causes. That's one way you can do it. But, yeah, there's a lot of different ways to support. I feel like I might have a like as I get like older I think that I might have a hard time getting old. Like, I can feel it happening where I it, I can't reconcile. Like, in my mind, when he said he was 18, I don't know why that just, like, punched me in my face. Because this weekend, all I kept thinking about was, you know, when I was 18, 19, and I was on my uh, two-year campus at South Georgia College, and I was like, TTE Truth, where I was like, Y'all, I'm a t- y'all gonna learn today. Yeah. So I created a Young Democrats Club and the first Gay Straight Alliance on that campus. And then like there were there weren't like protests, but um some businesses that gave to the alumni association they pulled out. Um and so we had this big meeting and I was like. Bitch, let's go. Who wants to fight? Who wants to debate? How dare you tell me that I don't have a right to be here? And I'm like. I'm tired. That's like, what I'm saying. I just, but it, I, but I feel like I still want to be there. I'm like, God, I want to, I want to be in it. Like when I was looking at Scott's Insta story this weekend and Dylan's, mm. I was like, oh, I want to be there, but I'm tired and my feet hurt and I gotta, <laughs> I gotta put my shoe inserts in first before <laughs> I go, I go march. Damn it, my feet hurt. But I'm only 34, so. I don't know. I just have a feeling like when I'm 55, I'm gonna have a real hard time. Like I'm gonna just be like, no, I am 23, but. I'm tired. Yeah, it's it's a different thing. It's weird growing up. It's weird. Scott, what would you say was was there a majority makeup at the protest this weekend of oh, age demographic? Yeah, even my girlfriend Mary was talking to me about it. It's like it was a ton of just the younger generation. People around my age were just all over the place. I would say like 20s and then maybe like later teens, like 18 to like 30 was massive and mm. really like from who I saw, there wasn't anybody that I was like, oh, that's an older 
like adult. Like, no, it was mainly young students and people like me. It's because we tired. Yeah. I mean, but I, 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 I mean, I guess when you look at the the past when it comes to things like this, even with the LGBTQ movement, you know, you have the young people uh, putting their feet on the pavement and doing the protest. Then you have the older ones, sort of like our age and a little bit older, you know, organizing it. Uh, and then you have like the top, the people who make the decisions are the older, older generation. And that's sort of how like the the trickle up or trickle down or however you want to say it. I'm right. pretty sure there's a way more intelligible <laughs> uh, piece of information that's out there if you Googled it somewhere. Yeah, but, but it's Monday, so right. we yeah, didn't do that. That's about all I got for you. Um, well, cool. I, I'm very... Um, appreciative for people like him uh, for putting that on because yeah. I feel like it's needed and the fact that we're now two weeks and there's no sign of it slowing down right and it's all over the world yes to me that's what's been so cool is seeing the George Floyd and the Black Lives Matter mm-hmm. uh, signs in Portugal and London Lon- and Australia. Australia I mean it's just been so cool to see that this groundswell of we will not do this anymore. Right. Um, so what I wanted to get back to real quick is talking about the show Outlander. Oh. And with the the slavery episodes that I've uh, recently just watched where Claire is taken from um, the 40s, 50s, and 60s, goes back in time, and they landed in Georgia, and then they went to North Carolina, and one of their, like, long old family members has, like, a plantation. So ne- Okay, wait, so... Don't skip because she was taken from the 40s, but brought to the 1700s. Yes, 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 and to the 1700s. And then brought to America. It's, it's a lot. It is, it is. And complex. S- right, it does. But some stuff happens. Spoiler alert again. Fast forward, and now they're in the uh, 17, uh, I think it's 1768, 69. And uh, so this is like before the Revolutionary War in America has happened, where we've claimed independence from Britain. And just watching someone, you know, obviously this is fiction because she goes back in time. Well, right. Obviously. But just seeing what, how we would react going back then. And then just seeing how things were just, like in the law, it was just, the, the what was on the books were so different, you yeah. know. So there's a storyline where um there is a slave who uh rebels against the overseer and like cuts off his ear and so claire the main character and her husband jamie they go to see what's going on and the slave driver overseer has put like a hook into the slave and he's like raising him up on a tree and they're like oh my god get him get him and claire is like horrified she's like get him down now and so in the show, um, by the, by this point, she is a doctor. She's a surgeon. And so she's trying to, like, fix him up and make sure he's okay. And, like, even the black slaves then were like, wait, what are you doing? Like, what is this white woman doing? Like, don't, like, what are you, what are you doing? Right. And so then there's this emotional scene towards the end where um, one of the servants, the, the slaves that are in the house, he takes her aside and he's like, I don't mean to overstep. But by you keeping him alive, that's going to make it worse for everyone else. So the best thing you could do is to help aid him die. Yeah. So they don't take tear him from limb to limb, mm. and then we don't suffer from it. Right. And I don't oh, know why. I literally had to pause it. And it made me so angry when I thought about all the people growing up that would say, 
<laughs> slavery was 200 years ago. Like, just get over it. Just get over it. Mm. Now, this is a show, a fictional show that takes place, you know, dealing with time travel. But it's based in real historical events. It is. Like, it's a fiction, but it is based in reality in those uh, circumstances. Stances. Right, exactly. You don't just get over that. Right. Like, that sort of of um, a pain and uh, trauma doesn't just go away. And so, I don't know why I was like... I, I feel like for some reason God like placed the timeline up to where I got to these episodes right now as all this was happening. But I was like, no, we're not over it. Right. And I used to I used to be an apologist. And this is my fault in being like, well, you know, that was a long time ago. And I know that you're not racist and you didn't own slaves. Well, no, you didn't. But the pain and the trauma and I mean, we had these laws on the books. Mm -hmm. And, like, in this episode, um, Claire and her husband, Jamie, they were supposed to take over this plantation. And she being from the 1900s, she was like, I cannot own slaves. Like, that's just, uh, like, no. And everybody there, like, these are people from Britain, from other countries. They were like, but their property. Like, right. It was like, just not even thought about. Like, they, it, like, that was hearsay. What she was saying that they were like, no, no. Like, these are people. They were like, what? No. Like, what are you talking about? They blend in with the cotton out yeah, there. Yeah. What are you talking about? Like, it's, it's mind-blowing. And so I think that what people are doing by watching documentaries like 13th and When They See Us and, um, you know, even watching Roots and just seeing how... If someone has some trauma in their lives, you're not just going to say, well, get over it. You're going to say, hopefully you will. How do we deal with it? How do we process it? How do we work through How it? How do you heal How it? How do you heal? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, and this is what I kind of love is that my whole foray into mental health mm. and everything that's happening right now with race and racism, it is. It comes from the same place. Right. Because racism is trauma that needs to be healed. And I actually just put something on my Instagram. Hold on a second. You know my ass no. is not going to remember it unless I look <laughs> it up. Um, so I put something on my Instagram that said family dysfunction. And if you want to, you can replace family dysfunction with uh, generational trauma. Mm. Okay. So mm -hmm. think about, like, I don't know where anybody's ancestors came from, but let's just say, Miguel, you had some ancestor here in America that was a slave. Mm -hmm. So if we say family dysfunction and or replace it with generational trauma, roles from generation to generation like a fire in the woods mm -hmm. until one person has the courage to turn and face the flames. That person brings peace to those who came before him or her and spares the generations to follow. We have had nothing but people just rolling that fire forward. Mm. And there have been people, like maybe within an individual family, that have healed themselves right. and their family. But collectively, the collective trauma mm. of not only own, like being a slave, but owning a slave. And you have all these emotions and feelings tied into this. That, w that collectively was never healed. Right. And so... To say, oh, get over it. Well, you're, that's like me saying, you know, I had this, I was beaten. Yeah. And someone being like, well, I mean, but you're not being beaten now. Just get over it. Right. 
You cannot Mm-mm. until you talk about it, take that thorn out of your side, look at it, examine it, heal it, and then maybe we can have – it's like we have to heal all of that. Right. Before we can really begin. And that's why we have – everyone's like, I don't know. I don't know why everyone's so cra- – because we ain't never healed it. No. That's no. why. There's so much. It's, so many layers that it's, – it's, 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 It hurts my heart. It does. Because it's like we're noticing that there are so many layers here. And just that one little episode in this fictional show just opened my eyes again to what I've compartmentalized or tried to compartmentalize um, and that I haven't dealt with as just me, myself. And there's just... It's just I feel like we we're opening up Pandora's box, mm-hmm. but in a good way. Well, you and have to. we can just like just start taking all the issues out and just all right, let's deal with this. Let's deal with this. Let's mm-hmm. deal with this. So then we can finally start to move forward. And to people that don't get that, it's really it's cuz it's a slow process by the way. Right. So for people that don't get what you're doing, it seems like how long is this going to take? Right. Well, it's not like healing a broken bone. Right. Okay? It's healing your minds and your history's mm. trauma. And it takes a long time. Obviously, it's been over 200 years, but it's still here. Because if you don't fix it, it just keeps going. And it's going to take a long time, probably past our generation. I'm hopeful for my daughter's generation that we will be in a different place. Right. Right. That we are now. And that's I think that's all anybody wanted. In the 50s, you had to imagine that mamas and their babies hoped that it would be different for when they grew up. And it was a little. Right. And in the 90s, and the truth, it's a little it different. It gets better with each movement, each mm. uh, pro, uh, progression that mm-hmm. we make, you know, that we don't see now. Right. That they'll start to be able to see that later on right you know? so we are making the path now for those that'll come after us and because i know like i I've, I've seen from some from conservative people that are like well you know you've had a black president and you know you, you had this and you had that you know shouldn't you be happy like wasn't that enough like you've made it but i feel like we had to have obama that then spurred people and I'm not saying everybody who, you know, uh, votes for Donald Trump is a racist or anything, but the people who felt some type of way about that office being held by a black man then rose up to ta- Donald Trump, which Donald Trump now is getting this movement. Right. And so it's like maybe when Obama was in office, it's not like he could all of a sudden say, racism is gone. We right. got a black man in the house. That was never going to happen. No, but it sort of is like a ripple effect of all these movements. And so then in 15, 20 years, we'll be able to look back hopefully mm-hmm. and say, look at what that started, the yes. powder keg that led to where we'll be in say 2050. Perfect. Wow. Perfectly said. Yes. All right. You want a Miguel and Holly pride sticker? <laughs> oh, <laughs> email me. Miguel, M-I-G-U-E-L, at hot1015tampabay.com. Make sure to put in the subject line, Platypus. Platypus. That's how we know that you are a Miguel and Holly fam member that listens to the podcast. And just put your full name and your address there. Holly, what's all your social media? Radio Holly on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. And Holly on Hot 101.5 on Facebook. Scott. That's Scott Tavlin, S-C-O-T-T-T-A-V-L-I-N. On Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. Mine is Miguel Fuller on all of those. And make sure if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please review and rate us. We'd appreciate it. You can also listen on 
the Hot 101.5 app and on Spotify. Bye. Catch up on previous episodes of Miguel and Holly Uncensored now on the Hot 101.5 app or on iTunes on your smartphone. It's Miguel and Holly Uncensored. Quarantine edition from Hot 101.5. Made hot by Corona Beer.